0: You're listening to sermon audio from Grace Community Church of Gresham, Oregon. For more information about service times and ways to follow us online, please go to gracecc.net. That's gracecc.net. And thanks for joining us. Hey, Grace. Everybody feeling good today? Ready to go? Right on. I'm Sean. I'm one of the elders, one of the preachers here. And uh, it's good to be together. We're going to spend some time in God's word. I want to thank you for your giving to the South Sudan Project. Um, you have been so incredibly generous. We've already uh, collected um, just about $9,500. Again, there's, there's more time to give. Whatever you can give would be amazing. It goes a long ways over there to helping people. And so thank you for that. It's, um, it's, it's good work to do together. Uh, Last week, we took a break from our series uh, in Jeremiah, um, and Luke Cirillo from uh, First Image came and preached uh, preached to us. um, And he preached to us about the witness... To life as image bearers of the king, and how important that is in our world and our culture in in our day and it was a It was a great sermon um, and this week we 're going to return to our series in the book of jeremiah, um, and actually next week'll be our last sermon in the the Jeremiah series, so we 'll be finishing that up before we head into a little mini series um, for Easter. i honestly, when I said that, I expected some of you to break into applause because <laughs> jeremiah 's been heavy at times for sure. Um, but we're, we're returning today, um, so I just want to reset the stage a little bit. A couple of weeks ago, um, when Gary preached, he preached out of Jeremiah 29, and he uh, basically talked through this whole chapter of Jeremiah 29, which was really a letter to the nation of Israel that had been exiled in Babylon, and it was a letter sent by... Um, by Jeremiah, at the commandment of God to, to really bring them encouragement, um, the, the whole message was basically, listen, you need to settle, settle down where you 're at, seek the good of the city, um, trust that god 's still doing something the exile it 's only going to last for seventy years, and god hasn 't forgotten you. Incredible message of of hope for them and then in Jeremiah chapter thirty. Um, God continues with this message of hope. And he also tells the nation of Israel that, listen, you've been disciplined, but you've been disciplined in in due measure. And so now you have this wound, this incurable wound, but I'm going to heal it. And that brings us to Jeremiah 31 today. It was an incredible message of hope. And today it's an incredible message of hope for the nation of Israel, but also for us. For them, they really needed this message. I mean, desperately needed this message because for them, they had just gone through incredible atrocities of war, all of the awful things you can think of. They've had loved ones killed and and awful things happened to them. They've been taken by force now, those that were remaining into exile to a land that was way far away. I think it was maybe like 1,600 miles from where their homeland was. So they were in a completely foreign place. They didn't know the people, the culture, the customs. They didn't know anything and they'd been pushed there by force. And so they desperately needed this message of hope because for some of them, they were thinking, man, is is this it? Is this the way my life is? The truth is, for some of them, it was the rest of their life because they were old enough that they wouldn't see the end of that 70 years. But for many of them, they were young enough that they needed to hear that message of hope. They desperately needed to to know that. Hope is an important thing in our lives, a very important thing in our lives. our small groups here at Grace, communities at Grace, have been going through the last several weeks this, this spiritual practice of hope. How do you find, how do you discover, how do you experience biblical hope? And it's something that, again, that we all need. And so my prayer has been, all week as I've been prepping, that you will find hope this morning and encouragement, as I have found in this text. So with that said, I'm going to pray. We're going to start. We're going to be in Jeremiah 31. Um, we'll also be in the book of Hebrews a lot, So, but I'll have all the words on the screen, but be ready to jump back and forth there. So bear your heads with me. Let's pray and invite the Spirit to work. Father, uh, thank you for this morning, Lord. Thank you for what a great time of worship. God, thank you for... Um, your church. Thank you for all the faces that I see here, Father. Thank you for everybody that's joining us online or upstairs. Uh, Father, just thank you. Thank you that we can come together as your church to worship, to learn, to, to be with you, and to be with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Lord, what a blessing that is. And I pray, Father, now that your spirit would fill me, that you would fill me in overflowing measure, God, that you would fill this place, and that, God, you would work, you would speak, God, that you would glorify yourself, and that the church would be built up. God, we love you, and I love you, and I thank you for the great privilege it is to proclaim your word now. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so Jeremiah 31 verse one. He says, at that time, at that time is when God's saying, at that time, when I cure that uh, incurable wound, when I heal you, at that time declares the Lord, I will be the God of all the families of Israel and they will be my people. This is what the Lord says. The people who survive the sword will find favor in the wilderness. I will come to give rest to Israel. God is saying, listen, I am, I'm your God. I love you. I haven't forgotten about you. I'm, you're still my people. And he says, I'm going to bring you rest. Imagine the encouragement that That must have been to them as they're sitting in exile. When it feels like everything has gone wrong, God says, I will bring you rest. It makes me think of the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 11 when he says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Do you need rest for your soul this morning? Verse three. The Lord appeared to us in the past saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I've drawn you with unfailing kindness. I will build you up again and you virgin Israel will be rebuilt. Again, you will take up your timbrels and go out and dance with the joyful. Um, God is drawing their minds back to remember. It's, he says, "I have loved you. I have drawn you. I'm going to build you up. But I wanted, What I want you to do is, I want you to remember. And so, I think for the nation of Israel, they were probably remembering when their when their ancestors had been enslaved in Egypt. For they were they were there for like 400 years in slavery for for a long, long, long time. And they were probably remembering then when God delivered them out of Egypt and God provided for them in the wilderness. He provided food and clothes and shoes and and." shelters and everything. He provided his very presence, his very strength with the nation of Israel. And so I think that they are remembering, they are are thinking about all that God has done because God's telling them, you should remember. And I think that he wants us to remember as well. God wants us to remember because the truth is, is that biblical hope remembers all that God has done. We find hope when we think about what God's done and it helps us to remember. Uh, The Apostle Paul in his letter to the Romans, Romans 15.4 says this, For everything that was written in the past, that's all of the Bible, was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the Scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. Paul's saying here, listen, remember, remember. This is why the Word of God is so, so important. When was the last time you just stopped to think about all of the things that you know about God from His Word? And just think about all of the things that God has done from the beginning of creation when he literally made universes come into existence just by speaking the words. When he called stars out one by one, when he made the earth and formed it and put uh, animals and plants and humans and all the things he did on the earth. And ever since that time, whether you know a little about the Bible or a lot, when was the last time you just stopped to think about all that God has done in the history of humanity? Maybe more practically when was the last time that you that you stopped to just think about whatever's going on in your own life whatever's happening in your own life all of the things that God has done in your own life all of the things he saved you from all of the things he saved you to all of the meals that he's given you throughout your life all of the ways he's provided and protected and taken care of you God's done amazing things in our in our lives and remembering is is helpful to us I um I've shared with, with you before, my family just finished a remodel project on our house a few months ago, praise God it's done. Um, remodels are rough, let me just say that. Um, but I had a couple of, uh, couple of buddies helping me with this remodel, one in particular, um, who I leaned heavily on for this project, because he just knows how to do this stuff, and I, I don't know how to do a lot of this stuff, I just had never done it before. And so this, this friend of mine, um, I was so thankful that he was willing to help me, because without him, really, this project, it wouldn't have got done. And one of the main reasons it would not have got done is because um, I'm nervous by nature. I've also told you that before. It's true. I just operate that way. I'm just kind of an anxious person. Um, and so when challenges would come up on the remodel project, my first initial thought is like, that, that's it. We're not getting through this. Just burn it down. We're just going to have to start over. <laughs> it's, it's lost. Like, we're, we're not going to. You're, you're thinking, oh, it's just flooring. No, it's not. Just burn it down. It's, that's it. And so when challenges would come up, I would freak out. That's just my that's just my first incl you know inclination. incl I don't even know what I'm trying to say. In my head, that's the first thing I want to do. Inclination. That was the word I was going for. And so After I freaked out, I would settle down, I would call my friend. Sometimes he would just coach me through whatever was going on on the phone. Sometimes he would actually come over to my house and see what was happening, and then just stand there and coach me through it so that I could learn to do it. And sometimes he would, lots of times, he would just just show me, he would start doing it and show me how to do it. Incredible help to me. And by the end of the project, I had learned through all that we had been through through this project— when a situation came up that I was concerned about or didn't know what to do, instead of freaking out as my first reaction, I would just calm down and I would remember. I would remember all of the things we'd been through, all of the, the projects we had made, all of the challenges we had gotten over, and I would rem- remember what my friend had done, and I'd be like, okay, we're, we're gonna get through this too. This is exactly what God's calling his people to do is to remember. Because whenever we're going through life and struggles come and we can't figure out a way forward, sometimes the way forward starts with a look in the rearview mirror to remember all that God has done. And that can give us the strength and the hope then to, to move forward and to, to move on. Biblical hope um, is, is something that we get from remembering. More encouragement here, verse five again, you will plant vineyards on the hills of Samaria. The farmers will plant them and enjoy their fruit again. The nation has been exiled, probably forced into labor. They were probably working crops and farms, uh, at least those that were farmers that weren 't their own and so God's saying, listen, it's gonna be great. You're gonna come back. You're gonna work the the fertile uh, fields and the fertile hills and you're gonna enjoy the fruits of your own labor. It's gonna be amazing. Verse six, there will be a day when watchmen cry out on the hills of Ephraim, come, let us go up to Zion to the Lord our God. This is what the Lord says, sing with joy for Jacob. Shout for the foremost of the nations. Make your praises heard and say, Lord, save your people, the remnant of Israel. See, I will gather Or excuse me, see, I will bring them from the land of the north and gather them from the ends of the earth. God is here talking about how he is gathering his people, his nation, from the land of the north, that's Babylon, and from all of the ends of the earth, from everywhere. And this gathering of the people of God produced incredible joy, encouragement, and hope to the nation of Israel. The gathering of God's people also produces hope for us. And the second principle is, is that, that biblical hope rejoices in the gathering of God's, of God's people. God is on a rescue mission for humanity. And he is calling people everywhere in the person of, of Jesus. Jesus says this in John uh, chapter 12. Verse 32, he says, and when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. He said that to describe the kind of death he was gonna die when he's hung on a cross, literally. When Jesus was lifted up on that cross, he's saying, I am drawing all people to myself. I am gathering God's people to myself. And God is calling people from all over the globe Jerry prayed for some of these places, for some of our brothers and sisters. He's calling people from China and Russia and Ukraine and Mexico and Canada and Australia and Norway and our brothers and sisters in South Sudan from everywhere. My uh, future son-in-law, Kenny, amazing, amazing man. I love this kid. I'm so thankful that he's marrying my daughter, but his family's from Nicaragua. They say it way cooler than I do, but they say Niharawa. <laughs> God's calling people from Nicaragua. It's amazing. I know I I I messed that up, Spanish speakers. I'm sorry. Listen, God's calling people from all over our city as well, from all over Portland and Gresham and Damascus and Sandy and Wood Village and everywhere. Last week when Luke Cirillo was preaching, his sermon, his incredible sermon, he reminded us of the verse that says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Now, when it says world there, in the original language, it literally means world. Okay, And I was reminded, I was actually convicted when when Luke was preaching, because it's easy to think about God loving and coming to save those that we love and care about, those that we feel good about. But the first person that I thought of when Luke started talking about that was this person in my life that is incredibly difficult to deal with. And this person in my life, I'm having more and more and more interactions with this person. And... I am so frustrated with the interactions with this person. They are beyond irritating to me. But this person was the first person I thought of. Some of you are not in your head. Some of you have people in your life like this. And honestly, as I've been going along in these interactions, I'm like, I don't even know what to do about this. It's so irritating to me. It's not my wife, if that's what you're thinking. <laughs> it's not her. <laughs> but I just was like, I don't know what to do about this. But I was convicted. Maybe I should begin praying for this person. Because... Jerry talked about this too, the Great Commission in Matthew 28. Jesus said, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me, so go and make disciples and baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Then he says, teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. That's part of what our job is as brothers and sisters in Christ is to help gather the church, to help gather new believers into our family. And it should bring incredible hope to us. It should be incredible um, encouragement to our lives that we are partnering with God, the King of Kings, He doesn't need our help, but he wants it. It's unbelievable to me. This is part of the gathering of God's people. So listen, if you are looking for community, let us help you find it. We discover God best in community. So maybe you need to find some community, come out next weekend and help at the garden. If you like kids, we need help in children's ministry. If you like techie stuff, we need help on our production team. If you just like people, we need help welcoming people. We need help all kinds of stuff. If you love doing dishes, we got that too. Whatever it is. I don't know anybody that loves dishes, but maybe somebody. Listen, community is the best place to discover God. And when we gather together, that is how we can find hope. One of the ways that we can find hope. So let me ask you this. How is your witness to the gospel? How are you doing at fulfilling the great commission of making disciples? Wherever you're at, in your neighborhoods, in your homes, in your schools, in your communities, at your workplaces, at your axe-throwing league, everywhere. Whatever you're doing, how is that going for you? And are you finding hope as you rejoice in the gathering of God's people? You're here this morning. I pray you're finding hope. I pray you're experiencing the goodness of God this morning and letting that encourage you in your life. More encouragement. Check this out. Verse 8b. Among them will be the blind and the lame, expectant mothers, and women in labor. A great throng will return. Blind, lame, pregnant mothers. What he's talking about here is those that feel weak or those that are weak in our our culture, in our society. And God's saying, listen, I haven't forgotten you either. I'm going to bring you back too. It's not just going to be the strong and the people that can make the trip easily. They're all coming back. Maybe that's you this morning. Maybe you feel weak physically or emotionally or spiritually. God is drawing you to himself this morning. Verse 9, he goes on. He says, They will come with weeping, my kind of people. They will pray as I bring them back. I will lead them beside streams of water on level path where they will not stumble because I am Israel's father and Ephraim is my firstborn son. Hear the word of the Lord, you nations. Proclaim it in distant coastlands. He who scattered Israel will gather them and watch over them. Or excuse me, watch over his flock like a shepherd. He's saying, listen, I'm going to bring you beside these streams. I'm going to provide water for you on the way. I'm going to make the path as level and as easy as I can for you to travel on. Again, God's gathering his people. Look at verse 11. For the Lord will deliver Jacob and redeem them from the hand of those stronger than they are. God is going to deliver them from a a nation and an army that is massively more Uh, Sophisticated, large, powerful, bigger than anything that they can imagine. God says, It doesn't matter. I'm still going to bring you back. It doesn't matter how strong they are. I'm going to bring you back. And then look at verse 12. He says, They will come and shout for joy on the heights of Zion. They will rejoice in the bounty of the Lord, the grain, the new wine, and the olive oil, and the young of the flocks and the herds. They will be like a well watered garden, and they will sorrow no more. What God's saying here is that the best of the land, the best of everything you're going to experience, the best food, the best drink, the best meat, the best everything, because I am providing for you. And what is happening here, the next thing that we see that brings biblical hope is that biblical hope rests in the provision of God for his people. God's providing these things. Sometimes, we can get so bogged down in our, in our circumstances and so focused on our own weaknesses or what we're, what's sort of stacked up against us that it feels like we can't move on at all. We feel like in our own strength, I just, I'm not going to be able to do this. The, the truth is, is that in our own strength, we might not be able to. Look what, look what the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians 8, or excuse me, 1 verse 8. He says, We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia, we were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despised of life itself. Paul's saying, listen, all of the troubles and problems we had, we could not endure them in our own, on our own strength. We despised of life itself. He says next, he says, Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. They thought they were going to die, because what they were experiencing was so overwhelming to them. He says next, but, then, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril and he will deliver us again. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. Sometimes, sometimes when troubles come in our lives, it is important to lift our eyes above our circumstances and see God as provider and find hope in him. So maybe for you, you're struggling with finances, Will you lift your eyes above your finances this morning to God, who is a provider? Maybe it's illness or injury or, or something going on that's not right in your body. Will you lift your, God, your eyes above that, above the sickness, above the, the problems in your life, and find God as healer as He provides for you? He provides in all kinds of ways. Maybe for you it's it's mental and emotional it's depression and anxiety will you lift your eyes above the depression and anxiety in your life and find a god who is a helper and an encourager some of you are experiencing significant grief because of terrible loss and death in your family will you lift your eyes above the grief to a god who is a comforter to you some of you are just alone will you lift your eyes above your loneliness To a God who wants to provide his presence with you, he says, I'll never leave you. You're never alone if you have the Lord. We find hope in how God provides for his people. Look what he says next. It's gonna bring something amazing. Verse 13, he says, Then young women will dance and be glad, young men and old as well. I will turn their mourning into gladness. I will give them comfort and joy instead of sorrow. I will satisfy the priests with abundance and my people will be filled with my bounty, declares the Lord. Do you ever just break into dancing with joy? Most, I mean, most people I know, if they do, they don't ever talk about it. Like, I, I don't do that. Um, but maybe it's a good thing to do, you know? Maybe it's a good thing to, to break into dancing as we enjoy the blessings of God in our life. And it says here that everybody's going to be doing it. The young and the old alike are going to be doing it. It sounds like a house party to me. I love to watch, um, I'll clarify this, I love to watch some dancing. Some dancing is just weird, honestly. But a lot of dancing I find so incredibly beautiful uh, when Tali helps lead worship for us, um, she's one of our singers. Um, she's amazing. When she helps lead worship for us, she um, sometimes she sings, but sometimes she does sign language. And when her, when she's doing her sign language, it literally it looks like dance to me. It's one of the most incredible and beautiful expressions of worship that I ever get to see, witness, or be a part of. It's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. Another friend of mine, he's not a young man. Um, he's not really old, but he is a grandfather. Um, so, you know, you can kind of guess his age, but um, he sends me this, this video like a while back. And man, I wish I kept it. He sent me this video a while back and, and I don't know, it's just some random text message that comes in and I, I see it's a video, so I click on it. And what I hear on the video is um, EDM, electronic dance music. Does anybody know what that is? couple of you. You should check it out if you don't, okay? So, what what I hear on the video is it's just him standing there, like, in his his family room, and I hear this electronic dance music. I'm like, what? I don't get it. Like, what's happening? Well, about 30 seconds into the video, he starts moving. This friend of mine, again, not young, not really old, but a grandfather, starts dancing, okay? Now, (laughs) When you find hidden talents in your friends that you did not know they had, it blows your mind. I mean, okay, I think what the thing that was most amazing about it was, it wasn't just that he was dancing, it was that he was really, really good at it. I mean, it it, it was amazing. This is something that brings my friend joy. This is something that he does, again, I had known him for a long, 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 long time before I knew this, before he had sent me this video. It was amazing. So let me ask you this. If you just broke into dancing out of your joy, what would that, what kind of dancing would that be? I mean, just think about it, you know? It's funny to think about. I think for my brother, Gary Beshears, it would probably be country line dancing because he loves country music. You should ask him about it. <laughs> he hates it. Don't. <laughs> He's going to kill me. He's going to kill me, but that's okay. I love him. Uh, the Lord is producing dancing um, because God wants to change their sorrow and their mourning into joy. The next section is interesting. Take a look at this verse 15. It says, this is what the Lord says. A voice is heard in Ramah, mourning and great weeping, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. This is what the Lord says, restrain your voice from weeping and your eyes from tears for your work will be rewarded, declares the Lord. They will return from the land of the enemy. So there is hope for your descendants, declares the Lord. Your children will return to their own land. Jeremiah now is referencing Rachel, one of the mothers of the nation of Israel, and she is long died at this point. She's, she's nowhere around at this point, but he's referencing her as though she's crying over her, over her kids, over her people, um, because she said they've all been taken away. But, but Jeremiah is saying, dry your eyes. It's okay. You don't have to cry because they are going to come back. God declares that they're going to return because he's heard them. Look what it says in verse 18. He says, I have surely heard Ephraim's moaning. You disciplined me like an unruly calf and I have been disciplined. Restore me and I will return because you are the Lord my God. After I strayed, I repented. After I came to understand, I beat my breast. I was ashamed and humiliated uh, because I bore the disgrace of my youth. The nation of Israel has been crying out to God and it seems that they finally have understood their sin and their discipline under the Lord. That's the next principle of biblical hope here. The next principle one is, or is, is that biblical hope receives the discipline of the Lord. The discipline of the Lord is one of the greatest gifts that we have. Now you might be saying like, well, it doesn't feel great. That's true, it doesn't. So why is it one of the greatest gifts that we have? Take a look at what the author of Hebrews says in Hebrews twelve five. And have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son. It says, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you. Because the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? And then look at verse 11. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. When God disciplines us, it is because he loves us and he wants what's good for us. So receive the discipline of the Lord because it will produce righteousness and peace and hope in your life. I know what it means to walk in shame. Says the nation of Israel is here. They're they're steeped in their shame and they're humiliated in their disgrace. I know what that feels like to walk in shame. I have spent... Um, Many, 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 many countless nights wrestling with God, stuck in my sin, refusing to repent under the discipline of the Lord, physically sick from it, but refusing to repent. I have spent many, many, many Sunday mornings sitting right where you're sitting in a church, steeped in shame, steeped in humiliation, steeped in disgrace because I knew my sin. And listen, My sin is deeper and more filthy than you can possibly imagine. And so I know what that feels like, sitting in that. I know what that means. But I came to a point years ago where I decided to believe God. I decided I needed to believe his word. And so I confessed I repented and I have found more freedom and more grace and more healing and more hope than you can possibly imagine. Some of you can't imagine it because you've been there yourself and you know what that feels like. The nation of Israel at this point is overwhelmed by shame and humiliation and disgrace. Is that where you're at this morning? Are you in a spot where I've been where you're looking at your life and you just know there's just, just some garbage in your life that you know is terrible for you? And you, like the nation of Israel and like myself, are looking at your own sin and you are horrified? A couple of things. If that sin is undealt with and you haven't confessed it to God and to whomever you've sinned against and sought forgiveness and healing, you need to. It's time to stop living with it. It's time to stop putting it off. It's time to stop carrying on and pretending like it's not there. It's like walking around with a broken leg that hasn't been casted or anything and pretending, no, my leg's fine. It's not fine. It's not. And so if that's you, it's time to confess that sin. Maybe you're even feeling something in your spirit right now that feels really, really uncomfortable about it. Listen, that's the discipline of the Lord. That's God calling you to repent. He's calling you to to righteousness. First John 1.9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. It's time to repent. It's time to, to confess. Some of you need to hear that this morning. But some of you also need to hear this. Some others of you need to hear this. If you are sitting here, like the nation of Israel, feeling shame and humiliation and disgrace because of your sin, and your sin has already been confessed, and your sin has already been repented of, and your sin has already been forgiven by the Lord, then something's wrong, okay? Something's wrong. I know what this is because this is my tendency as well. It's my tendency to to look in the rearview mirror of my life. Again, remembering's good, but sometimes when we look back there and we remember all the old garbage that's back there in our lives, we can just be so overwhelmed with that. And so if our posture is this, if that's our posture and we have already been forgiven for this, then something's wrong. I was listening to a sermon last week by this guy down in California, and he reminded me of this very thing. Our posture should not be that. Because listen, if you've repented, if you have asked for forgiveness from God, there's no condemnation for you anymore. Right? It's gone. There is nothing you could ever do that will separate you from the love of God in Christ. So don't be shameful. Be thankful. Stand. Stand. Worship. Walk in confidence. Walk in grace. Walk in truth. Live out of that identity. Who you were is not who you are. And what happened in the past is not what defines you now. So let a cross of Christ define you. Instead of walking in shame, walk in grace and peace and joy and love and receive the discipline of the Lord because it is God's kindness that leads us to repentance and it can bring us hope. Look what he says next in verse 20. "'Is not Ephraim my dear son, the child in whom I but delight?' Though I often speak against him, I still remember him. Therefore, my heart yearns for him. I have great compassion for him. God's saying um, about Ephraim, about the nation of Israel, my heart yearns for him. I love him. I have compassion for him. He's my son. We're told elsewhere inside of scripture that God loves all of those who follow him as his own kids. But how is that possible? Look at later in just this same chapter in verse 33. Verse 33. He says this, this is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, know the Lord because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest declares the Lord for I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. God is telling the nation of Israel and all of humanity and telling all of us that his rescue mission is still at play. He, he's still carrying out what he's going to do. And he's going to now do something entirely new because before they had the Mosaic law, they had all these rules and rituals that they had to do, but it was always insufficient. The author of Hebrews talks about this. Look at Hebrews ten eleven. Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties again and again. He offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. Did you catch that? They did these things but they could never fully take away sins they were insufficient verse 12 but when this priest that's Jesus had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins he sat down at the right hand of God and since that time he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool for by one sacrifice he was made perfect he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy The Holy Spirit also testifies to us about this. First, he says, this is the covenant I will make with them after that time, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts and I will write them on their minds. Many adds, their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. And where these have been forgiven, sacrifice for sin is no longer necessary. How is it possible that God can call us his kids? It is because of the death, burial, resurrection, and the indwelling spirit of God. That's how, that's how it can be. A couple of verses about that. 2 Corinthians 5.21, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. And then one of my favorite verses, John 1.12, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. This friends, this church is why we can have ultimate biblical hope. It's Because of the gospel, it should change everything about our lives. Ultimate biblical hope remembers, rejoices in, rests in, and receives the gift of eternal life in Christ. It's the only way to have hope. It's it. Worship team, come up here. Let's get ready to worship this great God of ours. Listen, there are many, many, many legitimate reasons to despair and to worry and to be overwhelmed in this life right now. There's a lot of things in our world right now that are legitimately overwhelming. There are wars, there are natural disasters, there's social and political unrest, there's ridiculous inflation. You go fill up your tank, it costs hundred dollars every single time. There's stressors, there's everyday accidents, there's problems in our own homes, things that are overwhelming for all of us right now. And listen, if we spend all of our time focusing on and thinking about those things, Life feels pretty hopeless. So maybe what we should do and maybe what we ought to do as a people is to begin to turn down some of those things in our life, turn down uh, the frequency with which we take in news feeds, turn down the frequency with which we scroll through Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, whatever it is, turn down some of that noise and maybe we turn up the gospel in our lives a little bit more. Maybe we begin to look above those things in our life and our culture that most of us have absolutely zero control over. There's nothing we can do about them. But what we can do is look above them to a God who loves you, who saved you, who cares about you, who's drawing you to himself. So let's do that now as we worship this God of ours. Thank you for joining us for Sermon Audio from Grace Community Church here in Gresham, Oregon. For more information about service times and ways to follow us online, please go to gracecc.net. That's gracecc.net.